Kobe Bryant has a whole goddamn congressional library full of impossibly badass career moments that will someday all be up for first ballot Hall of Fame consideration. You know the big ones. 81, the lob to Shaq, the 60 in the finale. But what about the lesser known moments? How about my favorite Kobe quote of all time? Given to a reporter who asked him about compliments. If you were to receive a compliment from one player in the league, whose compliment would mean the most to you? I don't don't really care about any of them. I mean, that's a goddamn sports moment. Good Lord. He really means that, and you can hear it, and you can feel it. What about Kobe's rap song, K-O-B-E, featuring world-class supermodel Tyra Banks? Two people who very much do not make music making music. What I live for? Basketball, beats and bras. From Italy to the U.S. Yes, it's raw. I'm not doing a bit. That song isn't awful. It's not good, but the production is decent. You can tell he worked hard on it. I'm sure we'll have a pot on it someday. While we're on music, do you remember the feature Kobe did on a Brian McKnight song? I bet you don't. Love to swore, slicing, gently do my body, burn so sweet. Blood boils when you speak, makes me weak. But I refuse to weep. Yet when I sleep, I feel tears trickling down my cheek. But in my opinion, one of Brian's most underappreciated moments happened on December 20th, 2005. And it's been largely forgotten because one month later, Kobe did hang those 81 points on the Raptors. On December 20th, Kobe Bryant scored 62 points in one game in a variety of ways against the Dallas Mavericks. But he scored those in three quarters. And in those same three quarters, the entire Dallas Mavericks team scored 61. Kobe outscored an entire team, and with the win locked up, he shut it down in the fourth quarter on the brink of NBA history with 70, 75, maybe 80 points well within reach. Kobe Bryant just walked off the court, sat on the bench next to Chris Mim, and let someone named Devin Green cook. It was the living, breathing guy walking in slow motion away from the explosion, and no one really thinks about this game. That changes today because this is First Ballot. Welcome to First Ballot, the podcast that celebrates the moments in sports that really matter and inducts them into the First Ballot Hall of Fame. I am your host, Neil, the long-lost Gasol brother, the podcast, Sedale 3, coming to you live from the Shaquille O'Neal Office Depot, big and tall executive suite desk chair. Today's episode could be sponsored by NBA 2K23. Why play basketball when you can play basketball without sweating? Get NBA 2K23. It's a video game, so you can play it whenever you want. Where you play it whenever you want, and you'll never blow out your actual real human body Achilles. If you want to play video game basketball, do it on NBA 2K23. Kobe's 62 points in three quarters is truly a great sports moment, but is it good enough for the first ballot Hall of Fame? We have to decide that today, and here to do it with me is a man I know only by the moniker LD2K. He's the originator, the godfather of the Laker hype video online. But now he's the producer and one of the hosts of NBA 2K TV. It's Mr. Chris Manning. Chris, thanks for being on the show. Absolutely. It's an honor, Neil. How you doing, man? 
Good, sir. I I'm, I only know you as LD2K. I almost refuse to refer to you by Chris or Mr. <laughs> Manning or Chris Manning. That's fair. LD2K, that's fair. you are a legend on Lakers Twitter. Appreciate uh, that. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for doing the show. Absolutely. When you said uh, bring a good moment, I got a good one today. So I hope you're ready. That's all I got to say. I'm going to be tough on this, but yes, I'm so excited it. to talk about it. It's uh, it's out of respect uh, for Kobe that we will mm-hmm. take this as seriously as we both will over the next 45 minutes or so here. Uh, again, I only know you as the guy that makes videos that knock my fucking socks off. If you don't know his work, for shame, go to YouTube, look up LD2K, the, the best Laker hype videos. I mean, the type of video you put on, and by the end, of the, by the time the thing's finished, you just want to run through a wall. You just want a Kool-Aid man out to watch a game it's just tremendous i love your work how i've got a bunch of questions here sure where did you learn to edit and then how did you parlay those videos into what you're doing now at 2k yeah it's a great question so i was in the eighth grade and they gave me a video editing class and at the time i wanted to be a journalist right so i wanted to actually study sports journalism i was going to local games at the high school and where i was from And I was trying to become a journalist and everybody's like, oh, you're too young. You don't have the experience. You can't write yet. So it was just kind of frustrating. It was kind of one of those things. Uh, So I remember taking a video editing class and we made a video on a moment and I decided, well, I have a camera in my hand. Let's make an earthquake. We'll shake the camera. It was very terrible. I should find it sometime. (laughs) Awful video. But it gave me the creativity to be like, wow, I can tell stories through this medium as opposed to writing. And I really fell in love with that. So the the obvious thing to do was to talk about oh well the 2000 blazer game was amazing and that's mm-hmm. when they uh came back from 15 down and i was at that game i was lucky enough amazing. to be at that game so i just sat down and i imported it into a computer and uh started messing around with some editing software and i was like i want to tell this story with some music and i just kind of experimented and then from there i fell in love it was like bam just love it first sight yeah just uh just fell in love with video editing that way and uh, never really looked back have you ever had someone like, I mean, I'm sure people have retweeted the, the videos and whatnot, but sure. have you ever had someone from the Lakers or some from someone from the NBA reach out to you and be like, I saw this video. It was great or great work. Like any, any sort of direct contact with anybody that was impressed with an LD 2K video. Yeah. In fact, uh, it was, it was really wild. Um, I had an opportunity to intern with um, Kobe's marketing firm at the time. Oh my uh, it, it, right in college. Uh, so this is around 2007 and, uh, they brought me on to do video work and to help build Amazing. a community for, at the time it was called KB24.com. Right. So when I was interning there, it was wild. Uh, I remember the first time I met Kobe, I don't get too starstruck to be honest. Like yeah, I've never, yeah. especially now, like, um, even when I was little, my, my father and I, we had a great sports connection. We got to go to a lot of games. I remember one time Danny DeVito and his wife sat behind us and he was like oh the nicest guy ever. So it's just oh so cool God. for me. So I never really got starstruck, but the first time I met Kobe, like butterflies, stomach dropped. Uh, oh. I was in a cast because I broke my ankle playing basketball. So he was giving me shit about that, which was oh, pretty amazing. So um, and uh, yeah, he he uh, he knew what we were doing with the website and kind of, you know, thanked me for the videos and stuff. So to, to just kind of know that he was watching the stuff that I was putting out was kind of a surreal feeling for me, you know, super validating. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of stories, but I mean, you know, that one sticks out, obviously number one, Amazing, Um, really, really cool. And you know, that's back when I was in college too. So I was still kind of finding my way with this stuff and, and figuring out what I was doing with my life. So yeah, pretty, pretty cool. Pretty cool. Give me, give me something about Kobe from you meeting him and working with him. Give me a story. Give me something. You're like, he, 
He's constantly picking his nose. Give me something yeah. that that you know about Kobe because you've worked with him, met him, and worked with him that I do not because I've never worked with him and don't know him. Sure, um, I think his work ethic is is widely known at this point. But yes, I specifically remember uh, when we were at the company, he immediately went from a game that ended. I want to say it was around Christmas time. This was probably around 2010. A new shoe release had, had happened. I think these were around the times where his Grinches came out, mm-hmm. uh, the Kobe Sixes, I believe. And um, he immediately went from the game to being like, people were getting home at twelve, and he told the team at KB24, "Hey, we're going, and we're going to go start training at two thirty. Go get an hour of sleep and meet me over in, Amazing. you know, the X location, which was in Orange County. Uh, right. We're going to be training." And he's just started full on training at two thirty in the morning. And, uh, you know, I don't sleep. I'm a person that doesn't sleep. It's hard for me to sleep because my brain's always thinking about the next day, the next interview, you know, work stuff, fun stuff, basketball stuff. My brain just never shuts off. And I was even like, whoa, this is crazy. This is crazy for me coming from somebody who like my wife thinks I'm crazy because I sleep like four or five hours a night, (laughs) you know? So it's like, um, that was, that was a pretty cool moment to see that work ethic up close and personal. And I know it's not, you know, game breaking, uh, a game breaking story and news changing but yeah i remember specifically in, in just the workouts oh and, the, and the running and uh the training and it really made me go man this this dude is on a different level and obviously That's this amazing. was around the time where he was adopting the mamba mentality so it's just like yeah man there, there's something to it and i think talking to players today that look up to kobe and look up to what he did and what his legacy is i mean mamba mentality is a is a serious thing man his his work ethic is uh untouched in my opinion for any athlete ever there's there's two things i think that are worth mentioning here the first is i want to dive into the idea of why Kobe is so popular and so um, has such a strong connection to the Asian community. And I've always thought it's because of this work ethic and this drive that like sort of, um, you can never uh, uh, work hard enough. There's always more to do. You can always get better. That like pursuit of perfection to me feels like, um, and I can, you know, I, I don't mean to come off as, uh, as racist here, but as a, as a, half Filipino I feel like that like drive that like Asian sort of uh, you're not good enough you have to get better so you you just get to work and and you think about Kobe in the in the league he's he wasn't the biggest dude he wasn't built Mm -hmm. like Jack he wasn't Wilt he didn't have any sort of like domineering physical trait so it was all through work ethic it was all through hard work I I find that connection to the his his uh, Asian audience fascinating to think about the second thing i want to mention is every guy that played kobe always tells these stories about how hard he worked there are so many athletes that will come out and go kobe's the best ever and they talk about his work ethic and what i always find funny is obviously the jordan people the lebron people will dismiss that out of hand people will bring up you know his usage rate people will bring up how many times he'd shoot etc 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 to sort of discredit kobe the one thing i always think is interesting is nba guys that talk about how good kobe is always Mm -hmm. talk about his work ethic and what i think is interesting is the idea that a guy can be the best basketball player ever, not because of something necessarily that he did on court during the game, but off the court in preparation for those things. I find the idea that other players looked at him and went, 
Man, he was so good for what he was. He got so much better. He worked so hard that he ended up being this guy. And that sort of appreciation and knowing and going, it's this isn't about you know him losing in 04 or him winning in 2001 or what you know it isn't about a particular game or the 81 or the 62 and three quarters this is about all the other stuff and how that matters it i just think it's fascinating that we all think that we know everything about sports and then when a guy who plays sports at the highest level goes this guy is great and you don't know why and i can't really explain it to you we just sort of dismiss it and go no 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 look at lebron's stats he's so much better and i'm not saying whether lebron or michael jordan is better than kobe but i just think it's fascinating to think about this guy being the best or being one of the best at bare minimum because of stuff that he did outside of the games and the and the and the playoffs, et cetera, et cetera. I just think that's a fascinating thing to think about. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you you're you're dead on with that mentality. I think it's because it's relatable, right? Like people have sure. a drive to work hard to achieve greatness yes. in whatever field they're in. And I think when you look at Kobe, he is that like poster example of yes. what it takes, how hard you have to work, the commitment and and yep. the greatness you can achieve. And I think it's so great that young people and and people of every generation can can like look at that and when you say kobe immediately that comes into your head right it's 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 greatness it's the hard work and i think that's uh yeah i think that resonates with anybody who's a human being really i uh have been always sports sort of obsessed my entire life and as i've gotten older I've, you know, realized in my maturity that, oh, I have nothing in common with these dudes. Um, Some of my favorite players have gone on to do insanely offensive things and things that I'm, you know, not proud of as a sports fan, Uh, things I can't support. I I don't love it. There, There are dudes that are super wealthy and they're gigantic men, and I just have nothing in common with them. Sure. Kobe is the one guy. And again, Kobe's got some of these things tied to him that I'm not super proud of, but Kobe is the one guy I I can't help, but look at him his entire career. I can't help, but look at him and go, he worked as hard as I hope and dream to work, to be as good at the things that I want to be good at. It it was impossible for me not to connect to him because of that. It's just a a fascinating career and a fascinating guy. And I, I appreciate him and, um, I should have, as I got older, I should have been able to distance myself from him, but it never really happened because that work ethic was something I always admired. Completely agree, man. It's, it's, he will always be my favorite player of all time and what he was doing off the court, especially post-career with elevating women's basketball and, yes. uh, shining a light on the WNBA and, and pushing for equality in all these different fields. Um, it, like you said, not only what he did on the court, but off the court as well. Um, he'll be missed for sure. And uh, for sure, his legacy will never, that flame will never, ever go out. And that's something that uh, I know awesome. he'd be proud of if he was sitting here today and looking at everything, you know. Uh, the other thing I wanted to bring up is that you mentioned Danny DeVito, dangerously mm-hmm. short Danny DeVito. I've heard from people that have met him that when you see him, he's so short it takes your breath away. Is that true or false? Uh, you know, he was sitting behind me, and, and again, oh, I wasn't. Sorry, was a little I, I mean, you know, I was like, I was young. I was t- <laughs> 11, 12, but I remember turning around, and it was halftime, and nobody was bugging him, and I didn't want to say anything because, you know, I didn't want to, like, bug yeah, people. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I turned around and I just said, I love Matilda. Like, that's that's a great movie. Because I did. I liked it as a kid, you know? Uh, and and his wife was so nice. And and 
Danny, I remember specifically, he just started talking to me. And we just had this full-on conversation, and he's asking Amazing. me how I became a Laker fan, who my favorite players are. Uh, well, we've ruined my next question, which you know everyone knows is about to come. Well, I want a table sure. set. What's your favorite sport, your favorite team, your favorite athlete? I think we've heard the answer to all three yeah. of those, but let's just get them down on paper here. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, favorite sport, basketball. Right. It's always been an outlet in my life. I've, I was diabetic, and I say was because I had a kidney and pancreas transplant last year. And now oh, I'm my God. Actively not diabetic right now because I have a working pancreas for the first time since I was eight. Oh, my uh, God. Basketball for sure has a special place in my heart because of that, how much it means to me on so many different levels. Uh, and then, you know, Kobe Bryant, favorite athlete, uh, favorite athlete ever. And, uh, you know, the Los Angeles Amazing. Lakers, just a small, yeah. small team you might have heard of, a couple championships, <laughs> you know. We're in a big drought right now, Neil. So, uh, <laughs> you know, we're spoiled, but uh, I don't, I disagree. I, I, I tell all my Warrior friends and fans up here, you know, you spoiled Warriors fans. The Lakers have been out of it for a long time. It's been like two years, man. So we need to get back <laughs> back into it. It's not looking too good right now, but always a Laker fan for sure. You you mentioned the transplants. How are you doing health wise? You're good. Great. Yeah. Great. You know, that's amazing. So, I mean, yeah. we're, we're going to coast. We're going to end up talking about Kobe Bryant scoring all these points, but I should yeah. make this whole goddamn thing about how doctors took someone's kidney and put it inside your body and now your body works better that's amazing it 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 blows my mind and uh you know i think i think the craziest thing about uh it all is just how good i feel and how great i'm gonna feel for the next you know hopefully 10 15 20 years what a gift those doctors the donor that is uh, you can't even wrap your head around it that's so crazy you can't even wrap your head around it but those people I'm inducting all of those doctors, the donor into the oh. Bell Hall of Fame. It's just it's going to happen here. They're all getting plaques. Put them on the wall. Let's get into our sports moment. And to do that, we must go through our first Bell Hall of Fame credentials. Those are the categories by which we judge our moment. The yes. first question is today, burning questions. I'm moving it up. The answer to these questions could be the difference in this moment making the Hall of Fame or not. Here's the burning question. Now, uh, you've... I'm going to ask this question to our audience first. They cannot reply. This is a podcast, but I want them to consider this question. You at home, we're going to leave some dead air here. I want you to consider this question before Chris answers it. The question is, what do you remember about Kobe's 62 points in three quarters? Don't answer yet, Chris. What do you remember? Is there a defining moment? Is there a signature image or play that you all at home remember? I think that's worth asking yourself at home as we lay out the rest of this argument for this moment making the Hall of Fame. Now, Chris, that question goes to you. What do you remember? You were at this game. Is that correct? That is correct. I have been, let's be honest, I have been extremely fucking lucky to be at some of the greatest games in Laker history in my lifetime. I mean, I, the lob, 62 points. I was there when he scored 65 against Portland. I was there at a bunch of finals game. Like I, I was so his. Were final you there game. for the Ori? Were you there for the Ori game winner too? Foul line extended, three rows up. I was Amazing. so lucky to be there for oh that shot. God. I mean, I was at some. Like my wife hates me for this. She goes, you know, I went to one Laker game a year, and if I have to hear you talk about Ori's game winner <laughs> or Kobe, you know, and I'm like, I'm like, I'm sorry, but I got lucky. That's that's all there is to it. Pure luck. But I was at this game. And the moment that I personally remember was the adrenaline rush that the entire crowd had, you know, 30,000 people just, I've never felt a a rush of adrenaline quite like that 
in my entire life watching any sport because it wasn't just about the fact that he scored 62. Right. It was, he outscored Dallas after three, yes. 62 to 61 and was pounding his chest at the end of that quarter. And there's a lot more I'm going to get into, but okay. that so, moment of that adrenaline that you could feel and watch and see and right. witness that adrenaline is what makes this moment, in my opinion, make the hall of fame. Yeah, the 62-3 and three and beating the Mavs, to me, that singular line is what I remember of this game. Now, I did not watch this live. I did not have league pass this year. I didn't get league pass until 2009, which is the year the Lakers won the championship because that was phenomenal the first year to watch every Laker game. I was born in Ohio. I now live in, on the East Coast, live in New York. And um, so I did not see all of the Lakers games at this time. I am the Lakers. We've said this on the show before. I'm not the biggest Lakers fan. I am the best Lakers fan. I did not see this game live. I have since watched the entire game multiple times, including in preparation for this podcast. I, the only thing I really remember is that he outscored the Mavericks. It's something mm-hmm. to, to discuss. We're going to get into it. Him pounding his chest, that's another thing that I think is worth uh, discussing. We'll bring that up here next uh, uh, as in, in our eye test, perhaps. But the next category is, the next credential is analytics. These are this is People love stats. They love talking about numbers and sports. They feel like it helps them uh, be better fans. Let's talk about the stats uh, from this game. I'm going to run through a bunch. Chris, okay. if you have something, to dive right in and at it. Uh, the 62 points he scored in this game were up until that moment a career high for Kobe, which I think is very funny because any career high Kobe performance that wasn't 81 like, is absurd. But this, of course there was a career high before the 81-point game. It was this game, 62. Um, a great stat in support of this. 18 of 31 from the field, 58%, 4 of 10 from 3, 40% from three-point land, 22 of 25 from the free throw line, a ton of free throws, tied for a game-high eight rebounds, three steals, zero assists, zero assists in almost 33 minutes. There's only like three dudes who have shot the ball 30 times in a game and had zero assists. Wilt Chamberlain is one of them. The other one is some old guy none of us have ever seen, like Bob Pettit. I'm not saying it was Bob, wasn't Bob Pettit. He's not the guy that shot 30 times and had no assists, but it's some guy like Bob Pettit who we've never seen play basketball. And I can be, uh, I can assure you, no one listening to this has ever seen Bob play a game of basketball. That is true. Uh, Kobe Bryant scored 15 in the first, 17 in the second, and then a franchise record at the time, 30 in the third against a Mavs team that went to the finals that season. What are your Mm -hmm. thoughts on those stats so far, Chris? Well, you forgot the biggest stat and the reason why I think this game outdoes his 81 game. And that is that he did all of this in 32 minutes. Right. All of it in 32 minutes. It was an incredible rush. uh, And and, and those stats, I think, speak for themselves. It's it's an incredible game. and, And I'll be honest with you when people say, well, he had zero assists, you know, Kobe didn't pass the ball. Remember, he has more assists than any other two guard to ever play the game and in his entire career. And I'll add this. When you got a guy as hot as Kobe was against that Dallas team <laughs> with those kind of stats, you don't want him passing the damn ball <laughs> straight up. You want to talk about eye test, give the ball to Kobe and get the out of the way. You know what I'm saying? Like, no, 
No, we're not talking about getting assists. Nobody in that arena gave a shit about assists from Kobe. We wanted the ball on his hands because that was going through the net. I want the nylon moving, you know? So that's 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 why I love this game and this moment so much. The the adrenaline rush, everything was dropping. Kobe was on absolute fire, and it did not stop from the, the second it started. Now we're getting started. Now I like this. Now I see where this episode is going. This is going to be a ton of fun. He had, you're right. He had 62 in just under 33 minutes. It was a 1.9375 points per minute average. If he plays his average 41 minutes per game that season, he's on pace for 77 and a half points. If he plays the almost 42 minutes he played against the Toronto Raptors a month later, it is a 79 point pace. So people compare it to his 81. He's right there. He's right on the doorstep with this game. Um, uh, fascinating. Here are a couple more stats and out just an outrageous box score. Kobe's took 31 shots. No one else on the team took more than seven. Smush had seven attempts. Nobody else scored in double figures. Chris Mim had nine. Laurent Prophet had eight. LO and Smush had seven. Here's another stat that I, uh, uh, looked up. This is like absurd. I started counting the passes that Kobe Bryant threw in this game. Okay. He is on such an offensive tear. He is clearly attacking every time he gets the ball. I counted the number of times Kobe passes the ball. I, I'm removing inbounds passes. To me, that's like he gets the coach could pick sure. him and he could be close to the ball. I'm removing inbounds passes. This is the number of times Kobe catches the, the ball, touches his hands on the court during the game. And then Kobe goes, I'm not going to hold on to this. I'm going to throw it to that guy. Those are passes in a basketball game, and I counted them. Are you ready for this? In the first quarter, Kobe threw four passes. Three of them were setting up the offense. So, you know, the ball gets inbounded. It gets thrown up to Kobe. Kobe, like, takes a dribble or two and then throws it to the point guard who's going to set up the triangle offense. Like, it's they're not – I would argue it's not even really a pass in the context of the offense. He's sure. just helping them to get set up into the offense. So I don't even know if you can count those as passes, but, again, <laughs> the ball touched his hand and he got rid of it. So we're sure. going four in the first quarter. He does not pass to anyone in scoring position in the first quarter. The second quarter, he throws six passes, all of them – setting up the offense, not one to a person in scoring position. Third quarter, he throws four passes, two set up the offense. One was a, a pass in the flow of the offense. And then the other, the fourth was a pass to a player in scoring position. Chris Mim was posted up. Kobe threw it to him on the block and then immediately ran up and got like a handoff from Chris and shot the ball. 14 total passes and three quarters of a basketball game where passing is a gigantic part of the game. 14 passes, 31 shots, 62 points. A lot of fun to think about. <laughs> there was a play where it looked like Kobe got the ball. He passed it, got the ball back again, and then passed it a second time. But that was actually Laron Prophet. This is a Laron Prophet heavy episode. He just looked like Kobe in the shitty like 2005 uh, video on YouTube. Uh, 
I have one more stat that I, I uh, counted as I was rewatching this game. This is a completely bullshit stat. I'm, I made it up. I'm admitting to making it up. It doesn't really mean anything. It's never existed before, but it's hilarious and it's very real. I'm calling them half-court attacks. I counted the number of times Kobe got the ball up along the sidelines on, on like an outlet pass or as the point guard was just sort of trying to get the ball up court. This is the number of times Kobe got the ball before half court, then dribbled over half court, and then decided, you know what, I'm not going to pass. I'm just either going to shoot the ball or I'm going to drive it to the basket. So again, the number of times Kobe got the ball before half court, brought the ball down, never looked at another teammate, and just tried to score on his own. How many times do you think he did that this game, Chris? I'm going to say 27 plus. 17, 17 times Kobe took the ball before half court, dribbled the ball. I mean, this is, we all know, I mean, Lakers fans and and anyone that watched the Bulls and any Phil Jackson fan, you know how the triangle offense works. Kobe brought the ball up 17 times over half court, never looked at another soul and tried to drive and score a 57.8% usage rate for Kobe in this game. I'm not a big stat guy, but these are hilarious stats to think about how much this guy was just out for blood this game. It, it Yeah, and he even said he wanted to make a statement because they lost the game before and he was exactly. he wanted to make a statement. And that's the thing about Kobe. When you look at that 2005-2006 team, they had no business making the playoffs that year oh with their God. starting roster. It, with respect to the players, um, they had a pretty rough roster. And uh you know, I think the thing that was so remarkable about that season is is how, you know, Kobe obviously averaged 35 points per game, but he had to lead by, not by example, but like he literally had to lead by scoring force the basketball. Of yes, it, totally. Force of will. I mean, it was, it was a determination factor. And I think when you think about this season, I know a lot of people talk about the 81 game and that's incredible on its own, but you really talk about the force of will, put it in your words. This game was the perfect representation of that season in so many ways. And, uh, yeah, those are wild stats. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm surprised he passed it all. Cause you know, my memory, I don't, I don't remember him <laughs> throwing the ball away at all. You know, uh, it just, the, the attack, the attack, attack, attack mentality was, was unlike any other game I've seen from him. And, and we've all seen when he gets in that zone, he's hot, but that comes and goes, there's ebbs and flows to it. There wasn't an ebb and flow to this game. It was just attack mode 100 percent of the time. It was very fascinating. In defense in of Kobe, regard. this the, the in defense of Kobe, the starting lineup for that game: Kobe Bryant, Lamar Odom, Smush Parker, Brian Cook, Chris Mim. I mean, I mean, the guy's got to shoot the ball. <laughs> Listen, the guy's got to, shoot, got the to shoot the ball. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And again, no, no disrespect to any of those players, but the roster wasn't set up for. Yeah a lot of spacing or, you know, floor shooting. Lamar was still kind of finding his way. And obviously we know what he turned into. Um, yes. One of the most important players in, in Kobe's Say last two championships, uh, him and him and Powell, I think are interchangeable. Obviously, you know, Powell gets the credit, but let's not ever forget if you put Lamar Odom in today's game and his prime, when he oh was playing with God. Kobe, he would dominate, Cook. dominate, Cook. could do everything. He had the shot. He had the handles. He had the passing. He was amazing. So, uh, you know, no disrespect to any of those players, but that season was uh, very dependent. Those games got out of hand quick if Kobe wasn't scoring. But the thing was, For Kobe sure. was always scoring that year. Kobe took 31 of the Lakers' 55 shots through three quarters. 
he had 105 points in consecutive games against the Mavericks. The only other guy to have 105 in consecutive games against an opponent was Wilt. Uh, you know, again, a month later, he scored the 81. Do you think anyone will ever break the 81-point outcome or the Wilt's 100? Do you think anyone will ever break those scoring records? I don't know. Uh, it's easy to say no to Wilts, right? But it, it, you w- would also think nobody would ever score 80 in a game, totally. you know? Uh, I think if the... It, here's the thing, and, and I'm going to bring this up because I think this is an important part of the moment. So one of my favorite things about the 62 and three-quarter game was actually Brian Shaw's story about Kobe. Amazing. And he was on the coaching staff during this time. So here's here's Brian Shaw's words. Uh, hey, Coach wants to know if you want to stay in for the first few minutes of the fourth quarter, get 70, and then come out. Kobe looked up at the scoreboard and said, nah, I'll get it another time. Shaw responded. That's the coldest shit ever. I looked up at him, and I just got mad. I said, what? You have a chance to score 70 points. How many people can say they scored 70 points? Just stay in the first few minutes, (laughs) get another eight points, get 70, and then come out of the game. And Kobe looked up at him and said, I'll do that when we really need it. I'll get it when it really matters. So That's here's the, the interesting thing. It's the coolest. And and, and when you put that so quote cool. in perspective of yep. that happened a month before the 81 game, it just yep. is a testament to how confident and <laughs> how Kobe looked at the game of basketball. It was serious to him. It was not a joke to him in any form, way, fashion, like, basketball was his life and i think that is like the coolest thing about kobe and his work ethic bringing it all full circle back around to his work ethic he respected those that that came before him he respected those that he was playing against and he respected those that came after him and i think that's what was so great about you know kobe the person is that he just respected basketball so much and when you're in a situation where you're up 30 points on a team you have a player who's red hot with 62 points in three quarters you do the right thing and you bench them I know from a fan's perspective, when you're young, you're like, no, don't bench him. You put him in. You watch him score, you know, break Wilt's record. You absolutely do the right thing and you bench a player in that situation because it's disrespectful to the other team. Uh, And I feel like Phil and Kobe had the right approach on that, Uh, even though it it sounded like Phil would have put him in to get 70, which was really interesting to me. But uh, it's amazing to put that in perspective of, the fact that that was a month before he then went on to get 81 and people forget in that 81 point game they were down they needed every basket to carry him back into the game in the fourth quarter and then kobe continued to pile it on in the fourth quarter as they gained a small lead to when he scored the 81 so it wasn't like this situation where they were up 30 and he's just dropping point after point after point this was just pure attack the veracity of which he was scoring in those 32 minutes it's almost it's almost too hard to believe if you don't watch it much like the 81 game. It's, it's almost hard to comprehend what happened unless you watch the game because it just doesn't make sense. This wasn't a player getting hot from behind the arc. Like we see today and dropping 30, 40 points from behind the three point line. That's not what this is at all. And in fact, one of those threes, Neil, he got the ball poked away and he ran back to recover the ball. And then he kind (laughs) of, squared up and just shot a deep three right in the defender's face. And that was one of his three pointers. So he didn't even really go for that three pointer. He just decided, Hey, this ball's dropping from anywhere. Might as well pull this one right now. So it's just fascinating to see the attack mentality in this game. And I think it just separates it from 
from a lot of his other performances. You know, we've seen scoring it's, streaks. We've seen players get hot, but I'll say it again. The ebb and flow to this game, watch the whole thing. It's just consistent the entire way. Just pure attack mode. It's almost not even basketball. I, I mean, obviously it's basketball, yeah. but it's it's like it's like you're watching this guy and he's got an agenda. He's got an axe to grind. Like he's on a mission. It's more like watching like a great um, film about a guy that needs to get revenge rather than necessarily right. just a pure basketball game because this guy is just he's just out to kill. It's, it's really amazing and, and a lot of fun to watch. It is something else. If you haven't watched the full game, you, you got to check it out. You mentioned the Brian Shaw quote. That's my X factor for this episode. And you mentioned Josh Howard, and he's my you mad Rob play my camera on clip. I love it when people are mad and Josh Howard is super pissed. And it's clear Howard is angry at the performance. He's get, the, the Mavs are getting shown up. And so he goes to clear his clock. He goes to yep. Josh Howard goes to clean Kobe's clock. He really dings him, gets him right across the head. Kobe gets pissed, mm -hmm. and it does seem to raise Kobe's level. That is a point in Kobe's favor here in this thing making the haul. That it wasn't just, you know, a bunch of Olay defense. They, they they took it at him, and he persevered through it and ended up scoring 62-3. and three. Really an amazing uh, performance. And, and you're right. You brought up the Brian Shaw thing. That quote about going – I'll get it when I need it. That is so ice cold. You cannot believe it. That is like for a guy to go, it's no, it doesn't matter that I can go get 70. I'll just do it whenever I, I'll just go do it some other time. <laughs> yeah. Now's not the time, oh, Brian, just back up. And imagine uh -huh. Brian Shaw as a coach in that moment. I'm getting pissed. Like go get your 70. You're not going to do this again. Oh, and Kobe's like, calm. No, no, it's all good. We'll get it That's when it matters. That's so ice cold. That's just nuts that he uh, felt that way. But yeah. Um, a true X factor for this moment, him being so confident. There's another quote from Kobe. I, God damn it. I can't find it. I was, I cut, I thought I cut and pasted it into my notes and I looked for where I cut and pasted it. And it was like some text I sent to my wife. So I must've cut and pasted the thing, but not done it right. And so I pasted the last thing I had cut, which was a text to my wife. Anyways, he said something about at that time, you know, he was like, whatever he was 27. He was like, at that time with the amount of work he had done, he was not surprised like getting to that, those levels of points was not surprising to him. It's a, just another very cool Kobe quote. If I find it, I, I uh, will say it in the um, credits, uh, but just the idea that listen, scoring 81, that's not surprising to me. Like I knew I could do that. That's just very, I, I, I don't mean arrogant in the negative way, arrogant in the best possible way, the cocky in yeah. the best possible way. Just so cool to say something like that and mean it. And you can tell that he did. It's really wild to think that you can look at Kobe's career, split up his eight career and his 24 career, separate them and both make the Hall of Fame. That's and then you so look cool. at a player and you say, well, what was his prime? Because when he was 20, 21, right. 22, 23, going through yes. the three-peat with Shaq, he was putting on a performance. I mean, people forget how dominant him and Shaq were in 2001. Oh it, all, it always pisses me off when people say, well, Shaq carried him to three championships. Yeah. Nuts. Shaq and Stupid. Kobe together were a different beast. We didn't totally. see we didn't see the, the Spurs do a three-peat during their uh, championship runs in the last 20 years. We didn't see the Warriors stacked with Kevin Durant do a three-peat run with their stacked team in the modern era. We didn't see the Celtics come close to getting two in a row let alone three in a row we didn't see miami and lebron james and Dwayne wade and chris bosh and that dominant team we didn't see them achieve a three-peat 
you have to put some respect on how great they were as a duo, how unstoppable they were. And, and that's my point to how good Kobe was. Was that his prime when he was in his early 20s? Yeah. Was was late 20s when he was doing 35 points per game, scoring 81, yeah. 62? Yeah. Was it when he was winning the two titles, you know? It's like, <laughs> what was Kobe's prime? I don't know the answer to that. And that's just kind of mind-blowing in itself to look and analyze that and to go, I don't know. I don't know what his prime that's, was. Is there an athletic prime? Was that question. 2003? It's, it's crazy. His career was just... I love it. It's like something yeah. written out of a, a basketball, uh, you know, story fairy tale book. Really you know, it's, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't. It doesn't it, compute sometimes. It's just a little melancholy talking about this guy. Like you mentioned, the ball getting slapped out of his hands and him going back to get it and to shoot it. I would love when you could watch a game and I you'd see Kobe get the ball and I'd go, "Oh, he's shooting this ball." I've tweeted it before. He's shooting this ball. Yeah. It was. It's so sad to think about all these things we remember about him knowing that he's not here anymore. I don't want to linger on that, but I do have to say it because I'm feeling it in my heart. Just a little bit of melancholy thinking about this guy. I want to change uh, uh, gears here for a second. I want to talk about Dirk's box score during this game. 15 points, seven rebounds, three assists on seven of 13 shooting. I think it is insane. You could watch a superstar at Kobe's level go that nuts on the same court as you, and you only shoot the ball 13 times for 15 points. I love Dirk. A lot of fun to watch. I do have a bit of an ax to grind with him, and here it is. Is Pau Gasol better than Dirk Nowitzki? I believe he is. What do you have to say? This is, oh my God, the podcast is on fire. Is Pau Gasol better than Dirk Nowitzki? I hate being put on a spot because I hate answering these, but I will He's say... He's clearly the better defender. That's not up for debate. Prime Pau Gasol Ooh. is arguably better than Dirk Nowinski <laughs> at any point in his career. Dirk was... I have the same problem with... Um, the modern era of people putting Curry above some of the point guards. Cause I do yeah. believe, uh, and Curry has changed the game of basketball in many ways. Changed He's one completely. of the all time greatest. There's, there's yes. no disrespect here, but when you think of the best point guards of all time, you think of both ends. When I think of Kobe, I think of as great as he was on offense, he was equally as great on defense. Yes, right. When totally. I think of people like Dwayne Wade or LeBron James, yeah. right. You look at these players and you look at both sides of the ball. I don't That's put right. Dirk and I don't put Curry. I agree. This is my opinion. And Nash. I don't put Curry. Nash, another one, right? You can look at certain players and say, man, they can change the game for yes. everybody on the court, both yes. offensively and, and who's defending them but they don't do it consistently on both sides of the ball. And, and I think that's what elevates the greatest of all time into that upper echelon for me personally. So I would make the argument, I think it's a strong argument to make, I would make the argument that Prime Pal Gasol, you could argue is better than Dirk because of defense alone. And remember, when 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 Pal, when Pal got bitched by the Celtics in 2008, that's right. Kobe wasn't taking him out to dinner anymore. He was getting in his face and making him that's tough. Right. He gave, right. he gave that Mamba mentality, passed it on to Powell. Then we all remember going up against prime Dwight Howard, who should have been on the, the all-time list of NBA players, by the way. That pisses me off. He wasn't For on sure. that list. People For forget sure. how dominant Dwight was. And Powell went directly at Dwight, and they won that series because of Powell Gasol's defense. And then the next year, going up against that stacked Celtics team, one of the That's greatest right. defensive teams ever. KG, Rashid. Yeah. Guys that are mean, guys that are nasty, and guys that had the edge on the Lakers because they beat him two years ago. Guess what Pow did? He came and he fought tooth and nail to help Kobe and the Lakers win that series. 
when I look at like 2011 when Dirk won, you can kind of make the argument that Miami collapsed more than Dallas really took it. Now, no disrespect to Dallas. I'm sounding like a big Dirk. All the Dallas fans are going to be on my Twitter now. <laughs> uh, I would make that argument. I don't think LeBron played his best series. Uh, I don't think that Dwayne Wade was definitely injured in that series or had some issues going on with his health. Um, they were, you know, they had just come together to try to figure it out. I, I, I just think I would make the argument that Powell's finals performances and taking those two championships in a row was, was more impressive than, uh, than what, what, what Dirk was able to do. But that being said, you're talking about the two greatest, um, potentially two of the greatest now, now we have Luke in the mix, two of the greatest international players to ever play the game, right? Powell, sure. Powell and Dirk. So when you're comparing them at the end of the day, I just say this about comparisons at the end of the day. I get asked about a lot of stuff. I'm just so damn happy I was alive to watch Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, and all these other great players that I grew up admiring and, and, and you know, watching the game of basketball. At the end of the day, we all win. <laughs> you know, it's, it's amazing to look back at the legacy of, of all these great players. What I like about comparisons are when, are when fans are like, how can you compare Michael Jordan against LeBron James? They play in different areas in ball. I go, what the fuck are you talking about? How can I compare? I'm going to do it right yeah. now. Yeah, Michael yeah, Jordan totally. is better than, or I, it's for me, I can compare anything. I can look at anything and go, I think this guy is better because of X, Y, and Z. And, it, and yes, the eras were different, but this, you know, uh, you know, exhibit a, and here's exhibit B. And I, that's the, that's the point of this whole thing. So I love comparing guys. I think you could put a, a real argument together that Pau Gasol is better than Dirk Nowitzki. And obviously this game has nothing to do with it, but I do think that 15 points on 13 shots, when you're watching a guy go absolutely bananas against you, like how do you end up with 15 points? I don't get it. Listen, we'll move on. The next category is the eye test. Chris, what did you see in this moment? Did you see anything in the game tape that, that gives this moment an edge and put, could put it in the first bell hall fan? I really think the point to Josh Howard after the foul is, yeah. is the turning point for an insane performance going to a ludicrous level. You know, it's like that moment when you pissed off Kobe, when he was already like attacking you that moment on, it was the adrenaline rush just elevated and it didn't stop. And it, then you're just talking about, you know, you, you, you talk about Dirk just now, maybe Dirk knew too. All his fans knew this shit was over. It didn't matter if Dirk came out and scored 30 points. They they still would have been out of the game because if Kobe came back in, he would have scored more. So I, I just think that the we used to joke uh, with friends, Kobe's like the biggest adrenaline rush that you can experience as a Laker fan, right? You watch the games, you're on the edge of your seat. You don't want to get off the ride. And that's how it was with these performances. But I think the real, the real moment was the point and just the, the intensity of attacking like i said he wasn't just shooting over defenders he was spinning yeah. and sidestepping he wasn't trying to fade away from the defense he was going right into the heart of the he defenders really and the entire game the entire and that's game. what was so amazing about the performance and uh yeah you know the chest pounding to the crowd that was kobe's way of saying i'm here i'm with yeah, you he was you know up. My God, he Insane. was just on another planet. Uh, an right after that foul, Avery Johnson gets ejected. The assistant, Del Harris, former Lakers coach, Del Harris takes over. Yep. 
Kobe, Kobe has been quoted as saying, when I was a rookie, I hated Dell. I always yep. said, if I get a chance to get revenge, I'm going to get it. Uh, that was something I saw you that, 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 um, that swoop of white hair from Dell Harris sticks out in a game for me. Another thing that stuck out on the, on the game tape, those goddamn ugly green Mavericks uniforms. I, I think about this a lot with LeBron winning, uh, beating the Warriors coming back from three, one, and then winning game seven in that goddamn t-shirt uniform. I, I can't believe the NBA did it to me. It <laughs> ruins that moment for me. Because he's in that goddamn t-shirt uniform. This game, 62-3 and three, against the Mavericks in those hideous green and blue goofy-ass uniforms. I don't understand this. The Mavericks have a great name. Dallas, great city. Why is their branding so bad? The horse? I don't get it. They, they had that old, they had the, the, the M with the cowboy hat. Just stick with something that works. Those hideous uniforms, they almost ruined this moment for me with those goddamn uniforms. <laughs> How dare you? Uh, no, to your point, he is on. He is attacking just relentlessly, and it's one thing to hear Chris talk about it. Truly, if you haven't seen it, it's on YouTube. Go search for it, Kobe sixty two and three. The, someone uploaded just the first three quarters, which is very funny. Uh, it is, but it, it is truly an unrelenting performance. He seems fully realized. He is like uh, Anakin Skywalker. He like completely knows his powers and he's just running through dudes during this game. It's really just impressive. Kobe, there's another quote that I saw from Kobe he said, I felt like that the entire season, that season was a rare thing where my physical abilities matched up with the mental part of the game for me. He really knew what he was and what he could do. And it's on full display in this game until the day I die. I believe if he stayed in, he was on pace for 90. He was on pace for 90, 91, 92. I really believe he would have broken 90. Uh, I'm glad he did not stay in from the respect to basketball standpoint. Um, I remember as a kid, I went to a basketball camp, Luke Walton. He said, you always tuck in your jersey into your shorts to respect the gym. You wouldn't go to church dressed up in right. you know, jeans and Right. unbuttoned shirt right he's, he's like you respect the the gym that you come into you respect where you're at and that always stuck with me i actually did that when i played in college i always tucked in my jersey and stuff it's like stuff like that that i think kobe respected about basketball too which is uh pretty cool so uh i yeah this this was just an insane night and they had they had big defenders on him and i think that's worth noting in this performance too uh the next credential, I'm going to move on to this quickly. The next credential is the butterfly effect. First brand new credential we're doing today, butterfly effect. You just you just answered it. It's fascinating to think about and to talk about. What if he had stayed in the game? Where would he have been? What would he have gotten to? And to me, the, the question that's even more fun, you've said you thought he'd get to 90. Jalen Rose, I believe, credits this Mavericks game as more impressive than the Raptors game because it was against Dallas, the finals team. What would he have done if he had stayed in this game and played the fourth? It's fascinating to think about because to me, what would it have meant against the Raptors? I believe if Kobe gets to 80 or 90 in this game, I don't think he shuts it down against the Raptors. I think he goes, I know it's possible. I'm in this rhythm. I'm feeling good. I'm against the Raptors team that isn't as good. I, I wonder if he gets north of 90 against the Raptors. What are your it's thoughts? Po it's possible. I mean, you know, like I said, it's, it's, you, you asked earlier, could this, could this be surpassed? Could, you know, 
yeah. 81 points could 100 points be surpassed it, it is circumstantial in so many ways um you know who who's out there guarding what's the score what's the stakes of the game how bad does a team or player want it is it just to keep putting up points when you're hot or is it to attack you know this wasn't a time where uh you know this was a time where like if you look at all these points this was a time where it was Kobe facing up against the defender and scoring. Not only on one defender, but like I said, a lot of these points, he's driving right into the heart of the defense on three, four guys. So it, it's just a it's just a different game. And I think uh, to the butterfly effect, when you think about the way that the game was played and how hot he could get and how hot he was that season, uh, I think 90 points could have been achieved by Kobe. I mean, you know, you, you have the right night. You get to the free throw line like you did in both those games, the 81 and 62. You hit your threes, you know, who's, who's, who's not to say you couldn't have hit that. Um, I think that, I, I think you can make an argument that these games were more impressive. And one more thing about the 81 game, he scored 62 points in three quarters. Um, when you look at the 81 point game, you know, he only had 55 in the second half. I say only out of, out of 81. <laughs> it's very possible that he could have, he could have hit that same number in the second, you know, another 20 points, right? puts him totally. at 80 plus so i mean it's just it's crazy to think about hypotheticals are hard to think about because you wanted it so bad as a fan you just want that number yes. to keep going up and up and up but i i just i think the 62 point game to me was a more incredible performance uh outscoring the entire other team that went to the finals that year and uh in three quarters you know people forget that kobe scored 42 against Washington in 2002-2003 season against Jordan's Washington Wizards, uh, he scored 42 points and a half on that team. And we thought it couldn't get better than that. Yeah. And here you he, go. Two it, years it, later, it, he's doing this. He, it, it really is amazing. And the, the thing that's fun to think about is he really the, – the peak of this game is probably right as the third quarter finishes. He sets his new career high on an and-one jumper where he gets fouled mm -hmm. and buries the shot and then steps out and shoots a three to end the quarter – he was in a rhythm. He's in a lather right at the end of this quarter. Yes. There's no way on God's green earth he doesn't start that fourth quarter in the same rhythm. It just ain't going to happen. Right. It's really crazy to think about. If he stays in, he's north of 70 for sure. He's somewhere between 70 and 80, maybe north of 80. And then what happens against the Raptors? That's just a blast to think about. It uh, is. Chris, let's talk about 2K TV. Tell me about it. Tell me about how you got started on it. Um, how's the show going? Show is great. So 2K TV is a full-on basketball show where we talk to 2K people uh, that play the game, 2K fans, 2K community members, 2K influencers. Uh, we bring a lot of um, the culture around the NBA into the show. So we'll talk to shoe designers or you know people that uh, work on clothing items, apparel that's in our game, stuff like that. So we uh, we also talk to uh, NBA players and celebrities and uh, essentially, you know, you kind of look at it like NBA inside stuff, but around yeah. the game of 2K, um, which is this big cultural phenomenon right now. And 2K23 just launched last week. So we're now in season nine of 2K TV. It started back in Amazing. 2014, 2015. The first uh, season was in NBA 2K15. Now we're on NBA 2K23. So um, I, I worked on the marketing side for seven years as the community manager, uh, decided to kind of step down from there and try new things, left for a little bit of time. And then uh, Rachel Demita, who was the previous host of 2K TV, she left the show 
Um, so I got the call if I was interested and, uh, you know, I'm really glad I got that call because I absolutely love connecting with people uh, and especially just elevating these amazing. I've met so many amazing people um, that I've become friends with just through doing the show um, and, and connecting with people that share the same passion for NBA and mm. NBA 2K that I do. Um, I think it's the funnest part of the job is I, I try to really elevate other people up, give them the platform to shine and do what they do. Um, just, just amazing stories. I'll give you one example. Uh, we talked last Father's Day to a father and son who live in different states who get on and play NBA 2K every single night and complete oh compete gosh. on a, a five on five mode where you control your own player. <laughs> yeah, they yeah. they have their own team. They go and compete and they uh, they dominate on the courts and uh, they're uh, that's how they bond as father and son. That's and amazing. I thought that was so cool. So I I found them, brought them on the show, did a full interview, and it was it was just. Stories like that is is what uh, is Amazing. really special about the show. So yeah, it's uh it's it's great. It's a really fun gig, and I I really enjoy it. I want to take the the opportunity here to say I'd fucking work my dad in two K. I fucking work you, old man. You got no fucking <laughs> chance against me. My dad, very old. How is the show doing? How is two K TV doing? Two K TV is doing really well, yeah. So, um, because we're inside the game, you know, we get we're exposed to all the people that play the game. So, like I said, you know, people can submit their own content and make the show. Um, we have awards that we give out every year. You might have seen me tweet my uh, my nice gold suit that I was wearing last year at the <laughs> award show. I was very proud of that. Um, yeah, it's just all about community. Um, our approach to the show is make the fans the star of the show and right. i from day one that i've got here we were aligned on that vision and it's just been really fun to watch the show grow and uh really just uh become this uh this this destination for for this massive community of people that love basketball in 2k you gotta understand there's there's an entire generation of people who maybe don't tune in to watch nba games that come to 2k and play three on three basketball and that's how they're exposed to basketball we have a, a mode called my team where we have players from the past you we have players from the 60s 70s 80s 90s all the way to current day uh you can mix and match your players and and uh mark cuban once said it a couple of years ago nba 2k is a great learning tool for the younger generations you know right. They, right. there's people that are born today that are now watching basketball that didn't get to see kobe play you know what I mean? Or didn't, don't have like vivid memories of that. Or there's, there's people that, uh, have heard the, you know, like the Jordan to them is just through highlights, right? They get to actually experience that in the game. Would Kobe's Lakers beat Kevin Durant and Steph's, yeah, you know, team with KD? Well, guess what? The one place on earth you can make that happen That's is NBA right. 2K. So the customization options, the development team um, that I work alongside is just, they're the best in the world. I've always said it. And uh, it, it blows my mind what they're able to do every year. So to be able to harness all that great energy around the community and to be able to put it in a television show uh, within the game is just, uh, it's, it's really fantastic. So it's, it's, the show's doing really well. And that's because the, the community's there and um, a lot of uh, momentum for us and uh, NBA 2K fans, especially with the, the latest release. Amazing. Congrats. Uh, what player really surprised you by how much he cares about his rating? Uh, well, I remember specifically a couple of years ago, uh, Whiteside went on national TV after having a big game and his only response, you know, his first response was, I got to get my 2K rating up. And then he became <laughs> obsessed. I will say I've been shocked at some of my DMs of people like, 
<laughs> Come on, man. Look at look what I just did. You go send that to people. Yeah, yeah. Go send that to the developers and, and show them my, my damn box score. You know, so <laughs> and, and I forget sometimes that, you know, I was I was doing a lot of stuff with the marketing team and doing live streams and stuff. So a lot of these players who were kids playing 2K are now entering the league. And then I get to meet them at like summer league and stuff like that. And, and like, they're now like ready to like be in 2k and it's such like a passionate, it's like part of that NBA experience for them. And that's really surprising to me. Cause I don't, I don't really think of it that way. Like I'm very like, you know, I, I just don't think of it from that perspective, but a lot of these players are basketball fans or 2k fans. Right. So they, they, a lot of them played growing up. A lot of the old heads maybe didn't because, you know, video games weren't as accessible as they are today and as advanced as they are today. But a lot of these players come into the league, man. It's like part of the it's part of that grind for them. I got to become a better player. So my rating goes up in 2K, you know, so I'm better in the game. And uh, I, I love seeing stuff like that. And uh, yeah, they, it's more I guess the, the answer to that question would be it's surprising to find players who aren't uh, you know, looking for their rating to go up. You know, you, you, that's it's it's crazy how many uh, of the NBA players like love that and and that's so cool. It's just part of that culture, awesome. you know, of the NBA at this point. Really cool. Uh, the next credential is our test of time. This is when we compare this moment, Kobe sixty two and three quarters, against other moments like it in NBA history. Here, I'm going to list a couple. Okay. You tell me where Kobe sixty two and three ranks amongst these competitors. I do not remember this game at all kobe had 56 in 34 minutes three quarters against the grizzlies he was 21 of 34 he had 60 shot 62 percent 11 of 12 from the free throw line three of six from three point land five boards four assists one steal at 23 years old and Memphis had 59, by the way. So he almost he, he has another game where he almost beat a team by himself in three quarters. He had 56 at 23 years old. I mean, that's very, very close to 62. And the question you're going to have to start asking yourselves, everyone, is if 62 and 3 goes in, why wouldn't 56 and 3 go in against the Grizzlies at 23? Okay, here's another game to consider, Chris. Harden had 60 on 16 of 24, that's 66% shooting, 8 of 14 from 3, 57% from 3, 20 of 23 from the foul line, 3 boards, 8 assists, 3 steals and 1 block in 30 minutes. Does that have to go in? So just, let's just talk about those two moments there. Where does Kobe's 62 stack up against Kobe's 56 and 3 against the Grizz at 23? And Harden sixty and three and thirty minutes. He had sixty in less time. It's pretty amazing. I mean, Harden is a fantastic offensive player. We all know that. Fantastic. Uh, Stats right, machine. It's right there, right? But you also have to take. I think strength of opponent is important. Like true. Not not okay. to. I know I said earlier I don't like to discredit people for yep. playing certain teams, but the strength of opponent I think you have to take into consideration, especially when, on that year. Uh, and 56 and three, I mean, you know, like I said, he's also scored 42 and three, which you never hear about these days because right. people almost forget about that performance, much like this Memphis performance. Um, I, I, I still rank the 62 above the Memphis performance, okay. but it's, it's insane. We're even comparing a similar I performance, know. you know, That's true. and, and, and with, with Harden, I mean, I think he will go down as, is one of the most, um, you know, one of the most elite scorers in NBA history, um, I remember that 60 point game and I was wondering, is he going to 
is he going to break that 62 mark? I remember watching it and thinking that. Uh, it's a different game, right? A lot of threes for Harden in that game. Yeah, and I think when you, yep. when, you, when you compare the games, you look at, you look at the 62 and three, four of 10 shooting. Sure, Kobe could have hit more, but the fact that he only hit four threes, you know, that's just 12 points out of the 62. That's pretty insane considering the field goals that he was taking from inside the arc when you look at this, that, that performance of 62 and three. So I would still, I would go 62 and three, 60 and three by Harden, 56 and three. Harden 60 was on, on again, to repeat this, on 24 shots, but he was playing the Atlanta Hawks. Clay Thompson, here's a couple more games to compare it to. Clay Thompson yeah. had the 37-point quarter, which we talked about. Um, mm-hmm. Zach Harper was the guest we did an episode on that. 37-point quarter in the first Bell Hall of Fame. Only 52 points total in that game, but it had the magic of a world-class run. Clay Thompson also had the 60 on 11 dribbles. Yeah, 21 of 33, 64% from the field, 57% from three again, 18 of four, eight of 14 rather from three point line uh, matching Harden there. 10 of 11 from the free throw line, two boards, one assist in 29 minutes, 60 and 29 minutes, all on Paul George, elite level defender, Paul George, yes. 60. I mean, this, this is a lot to consider. Devin Booker had the 70, but he got beat. Booker had 51 in the second half of that game. Here's another game worth considering. Rick Barry had 64 in 43 minutes against the Blazers, so much more time. Why is that interesting? Rick Barry was 30 of 45 from the field. There were no three-pointers at all. Yeah. He took five free throws the whole game. He also had 10 boards and nine assists, almost a triple-double. He also had five steals. Only player, only there's only one other player to make 30 field goals in a game, and it's Wilt again. Th- that's a monster Rick Barry game. And the reason I'm putting all these forward is to say there's another one. Kobe had 52 and three quarters against the Jazz in 06, I think. There's a lot of games that are in this ballpark of mm-hmm. scoring performance. What is it that pushes this thing over the top? I don't know. It's a lot to consider here. All right, I have the answers. I have the answers. So let's talk about let's talk about Clay's performance. I'm going to ask the audience a question because I'm pretty sure that they'll align with me. So, Neil, if you're putting a basketball team together, right? Yeah. If you're putting Steph Curry and Clay and all the teams that they've assembled during that Warriors dynasty, okay? Would you argue that that creates more space? Let's just talk about Steph and Clay having those two on the court. Is that going to create more space than, say, Smush Parker and Brian Cook or Chris Mim or Lamar Odom on the wing? If your answer is yes, I would love to come back on the show and see you try to win that debate against me and you, Neil. That puts the clay questions to rest. One of the best offensive systems by Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr is a fantastic coach who learned a lot from Phil Jackson, let's not forget. Uh, incredible what he's been able to do. And as let's not forget when Kevin Durant came over there, completely seamlessly fit into an offensive ball sharing system that won multiple titles. It's the, the Warriors are the greatest team of this era, obviously. Take that into consideration. Then ask yourself again, with that system, with the players that they have, with the shooting ability in today's three-point game, would Smush Parker, Kobe, Lamar, Chris Mim, and company space the floor better than today's Warriors. 
If your answer is no, then we can move on. Those two are not better than 62 and 3. What was the third one you mentioned? The third one, I mean, Devin Booker, throw him out because he lost the game. Like, throw that right in the garbage, right? I mean, we're attacking this Rick Barry 30 of 45 from the field thing. It's 64 in 43 minutes. That's nuts. It is nuts. It is nuts. I would argue, though, that Wilt played, what, similar era? And we know Wilt wasn't a three-point shooter, but what Wilt was able to do, and, and I would even throw in another oh, wrench Wilt if we want to go if we want to go into the butterfly effect. I know it's almost like you have to discredit all of Wilt's games yeah, when you're talking yeah. about these games, because then you're just <laughs> gonna lose every argument. But what if what if Pistol Pete played during an era when there was a three-point right. line, like say college? Remember, he was putting up 40, what, 43 in college, 42, something like that. No three-point line. I wonder what Pistol Pete Maravich would have done. I wonder what Jerry West would have potentially done. Remember, Lakers lost the title, Neil, because he hit a full-court shot, but there was no three-point line <laughs> against the Knicks. So it was a tie game instead of them winning that game. So, you know, it's always tough to go back and think about stuff like that. Yeah, but it really is. I, 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 I mean, the Rick Barry game is is really crazy. But oh, like monster. you said, more, more time. I think if you gave Kobe 42 minutes in this game, you said it earlier, just – Based on his points per minute calculation, he's surpassing yeah. that potentially. So, I yeah, I I, I think it's uh, it, you know you give Kobe that full forty two minutes, we're talking about another eighty point game at least, potentially a ninety point game, depending on how hot he was oh that night. And he, there was no cooling him off at all. I mean, ridiculously hot. And I would argue that of all the other performances. The clay one's very compelling just because he didn't dribble at all. But again, that system is is the, yep. the is the Clay Thompson and Steph Curry and Steve Kerr system. That is what makes them so great. So yep. he is in a system he knows like the back of his hand. You could make the argument, yeah, these other players were too, but you know, those other players weren't winning multiple titles like this Warriors team was at that time of their right. performances. So I, I think I still think you gotta put sixty two and three, Kobe sixty two and three above all those other performances. I love this. Based on based on what you know, the arguments that I provided. I love you discrediting all these people, tearing them I know. down. I know. It, it tears me down. <laughs> it tears me down because I'm such a student of the game. I love learning so much about basketball that when I have to like Listen, put something over something else, I'm going to say matters. it again. For the sake of argument, I agree. These, these debates <laughs> should happen, but I also am so appreciative that I got to see so many fantastic players that beat my Lakers, I that my it. Lakers beat during my lifetime. I am so... You know, I'm in my mid thirties and you know, we're still, we're now seeing a new generation of players, you know, watching like Luca and John Morant. It's like, woof, we're in, we're in good times in the NBA. You know what I mean? It's just, it's, it's so fun to watch players grow and, and debate the legacy. So I'm, I'm all for it. <laughs> what, what I will say about the first belt hall of fame is I always want to keep my eye on the ball. That is if moment x makes it in then doesn't moment y and z also have to make it in because of how they compare so to me as we're debating whether this moment fits in you have to then ask yourself does this rick Bar am i going to put a rick berry game in this thing at some point am i going to make an episode on rick berry i don't really want to do that no disrespect to rick berry i don't want to talk about basketball back then it's that's insane what does this moment being in mean to all of the other moments like it's something to keep your eye on here the next uh, the next credential is the press conference. Any great quotes after the game? Yeah, there's one. Uh, when asked after the game how many points he would have finished with had he played the fourth quarter, Bryant shrugged his shoulders, quote, 
probably 80. I was in a really, really good groove. It's just so funny. It's so funny to hear a guy be like, I was really, really feeling good. It's just so cool. Can you imagine being that good at something and saying something as outlandish as as, uh, I could have probably scored 80 because I was feeling really good? God, I'd kill to be that good at something. Just amazing. Chris, I can see the time is almost running out on us. It's almost time for our hit new segment, More Important. Have you heard More Important on the show yet, Chris? I have not. Perfect. Great. I wanted to come in blind. I didn't want to be prepared. You, no, I wanted no, to come this in blind per- with all my arguments. I, I prefer that you not know. Okay. Here's the question. Okay. As a part of the video game community, what are your feelings on video games adding to the rampant violence in our culture today? Total bullshit. Oh, I'm so sorry, Chris. We got to skip that. We don't have any time for your answer there. We have to move on to something more important. Rob, the theme music's already playing. Rob, all right, here we go. Chris, I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions. These questions are more important than that bullshit I was just talking about. And your answer <laughs> to these questions will be more important. Are you ready? There's like an imaginary clock counting us down. Okay. Speed is important here. We have to keep Speed. moving. Are you ready? Okay. I'm ready. What is your favorite snack to eat during a Lakers game? Uh, uh, hot dog. <laughs> oh my God. At Staples Center. Hot dog from oh, Staples okay, Center. Okay. okay, sorry. Arena food or at home food? <laughs> at home food. Not eating hot dogs too much these days. At Staples Center, hot dog. Uh, at home, probably, uh, oh, I don't even know what I, I don't like to eat during Laker games because I get stressed out. <laughs> Me too. That's my answer as well. Uh, okay. No, I thought it was very funny for a second to consider you getting ready to watch a game at home and always making yourself a hot dog. That's See, I put myself funny. in the in the Staples Center crowd. It's always a no, go-to, right. always a hot dog. Okay, anyway. No, good for you. I just never get to go to them much. Uh, okay, who is the hey, – got to keep moving. It's more important. Okay. Who is the best defensive player you've ever watched in the NBA? Uh, Tim Duncan. Great answer. Great answer. Okay, name one band or musical performer you would blast off into the sun. Do I get a pass? Do I get a pass? No, you do uh, not. <laughs> I, I like so much music. Okay. If the answer is U2, you, you got to blast U2 up. U2 stinks, man. They yeah, but stink. They, have, they have a record after Joshua Tree, which is near my hometown. No, no, no. Of, of they Valley, so stink. I, Those dudes ah, stink. Okay, all right. You too. We'll blast into the sun. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'll all right, your next question. Which player or celebrity can really play 2K? Yeah, the game. The game. He's been playing oh, the game, for a the long rapper, time. the game. The rapper, the game. Yeah, he's oh, wow. he's amazing at 2K. He's amazing at 2K, and we went at it in 2K8, competing on the leaderboards before I was with 2K. He's oh he's been gosh. playing for. He's he's an OG with 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 2K. He's really good. Amazing. Is is there an NBA player or celebrity you're certain you could defeat in 2K if you were to play them? All of I want them. You to come, name come at, oh. All of them. Come at me if you think otherwise. We'll play on 2K TV. Hey. Is there a 2K goat? Who is the MJ LeBron Kareem of 2K? I presume that's some kid uh, in you know like Iowa or something. Who is the greatest of all time at 2K? He just won the championship. I'm gonna go with Dimes because he won the Road to the Finals Pro Am tournament a couple years ago that we had going on in LA. And I'm gonna get in trouble for that. And I and, and, and there's a lot of debates, but 
I have to go with my boy Dimes for me personally. Amazing. I was really, I just wanted you to say some goofy like 2K username and get a laugh out of it. But Dimes is pretty cool. I wish it were fun. Dimes is a cool name. <laughs> I said, now you got to start calling yourself uh, like, like dollars. Cause you know, now you're, like, you're bigger than Dimes. <laughs> uh, Chris, the next credential is the cosine. This is when it's up to you. This question is for you and you alone, Chris. Okay. Does Kobe 62 and three quarters belong in the first ballot hall of fame and why this is your closing argument. While you answer this, I'm going to sit back in my shack office, Devo, big and tall executive suite desk chair. And I'm going to give this serious thought because I'm really torn. Chris, the question is to you now, does his 62 and three belong in the first ballot hall of fame and why? I'm going to use your answer, Neil, because you already answered it for me. We were talking about players that played against Kobe and how important they were to yes, them right. as competitors, right? You also could only put one game above this in Kobe's career. It wasn't yes. when Kobe scored uh. 65 against Portland. It was not his final game at 60 against the Jazz, which was my personal favorite game, but that's for another episode. It was the 81 game. And the person who played against him and got torched, <sighs> Jalen Rose, you said it earlier. What did he say, Neil? Read the quote again. He said, he said this is more important of a performance because it's against the Mavs who made the finals. I stake my claim as this belongs in the <laughs> Hall of Fame because the people that played against him in the Ugh. 81 game admitted that the 62-3, the biggest adrenaline rush game of Kobe Bryant's career, was 62 and three and not 81. And I will say the confidence factor, we were talking about post game, right? And taking all your criteria, Kobe in this post game, he knew he would have hit 80. Whereas when he actually Ugh. hit 81, it was almost like a, an out of body experience. Oh it was almost like he couldn't realize it. So based on those, those facts, based on the fact that Kobe was so confident, he knew he could get 80 in another game. Yeah, I have to put this one above the 82. I have to put 62 and three quarters above the 81 point game based on the people that played against him and based on the quotes from the man himself who has given us so many joyful memories as Laker fans and NBA fans. A fantastic answer. This is prepared. This is a lot. This is a lot. The next credential is the induction speech. I have this is now the episode where I am the most torn. I do not know what to do. Give me a second. All right. All right. I, all right. I have my answer. How do I present this now? I think you leave this in too, Robbie. Don't even cut this. This is real. Okay. I usually write down some notes in this section when I'm doing the show. I usually write down some thoughts and I go, t- take everything that your guest said reference in a, in a good induction speech in my mind, I'm referencing something that my guest has brought up, but I've, I've listed other things that I could call on. If I need to, I have here an induction speech that keeps this game out of the first ballot hall of fame. Hold on. I just want to read it. I just want to read the notes here. I write, My guess is over the lifespan of this podcast and Hall of Fame, there will be many Kobe Bryant moments on the plaques on these walls, these hollowed halls. 
We give weight to the inductees, not only by fetting them and appreciating them in a brand new way over this audio medium, but also by the moments we leave out of the hall. Listen, we're figuring this Hall of Fame out as we go here. We've established that this hall needs stakes, elite performance, attitude, and entertainment. There are a lot of great moments in sports, just like there are a lot of great athletes. Being a great athlete isn't enough, though. And neither is being just a great moment. As I've said before on this podcast, the final level is putting on a show. It's not enough to score a bunch of points or to hit a buzzer beater. You got to put on a show. This Kobe game, the 62 and three quarters, was a bloodthirsty reckoning. This was a man with a knife between his teeth, intent on killing his opponent, and he did it. My hat's off. Mission accomplished. But I took very little joy in watching this bloodletting. It's not as much of a performance. That said, your words in your cosign are going to swing this. Kobe saying, I probably would have scored 80. I believe him. You have to believe this man. He wasn't being cocky. He said, I was in a really, really good groove. He knew it. I have to believe this man. Kobe and Jalen Rose and all those other guys, they know the game better than I do. I believe he got benched and it kept him from going to 80. And I believe that Raptors game would have been higher than 81. For those reasons, for what you said in your your cosign, and for Jalen Rose and what Kobe said in his post-game interview, Kobe 62 and three quarters. Welcome to the first ballot hall of fame. First ballot. I really had that full induction speech written to go. It's not going in. And I, I wanted to go through my notes because I do think it's legit. But I really, I, I agree. You're right. What he said. Why would I not believe that guy? He said it. He put it on wax. He had no problem going. I probably get to 80 if I'm in the fourth. I believe him. Guy scores 80. He's got to go in. He said it not only to the public when he was asked about it. He said it to his coach who shared the yeah. story years later. Yeah. He knew what would have happened if the scenario was different. And that's why sports are so amazing. It's 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 just you have to be at the right place, the right time, the right score and you get moments like this, you know. And what could have been, who knows. Dirk said it too. Dirk said he didn't play the entire fourth quote. He didn't play the entire fourth quarter. He could have had 80 easily that night. He was on an insane yep. tear that year. It, it really unquote. It is really just an amazing performance. 62 and 3. You made it in by the skin of your teeth. I want all these other moments to know and I want all these other Kobe moments to know. You're not waltzing into this goddamn Hall of Fame. It just ain't going to happen. I'm taking this thing serious. Chris, you did an amazing job. You getting just visibly angry at me and, and tearing down <laughs> Clay Thompson and James Harden. You really made a difference here. I really appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you so much for doing it. How can people follow you? What can you plug? What's coming up for Chris? LD2K. Sure. You can follow me on Twitter at, at LD2K. I also have an Instagram, but I don't really post that much these days. It's at LD2K underscore because somebody – you know, the fake LD2K took my real one, so I don't have that. Uh, but yeah, I, I like uh, engaging with NBA fans, 2K fans, uh, Laker fans, right? We're all over Twitter together. So, um, you know, you can catch me there and reach out. And, of course, NBA 2K TV is an NBA 2K23, which just released last Friday. So make sure to go pick it up. Uh, we have an amazing Jordan moments mode where you can relive 15 of his greatest games and moments of his career. And it takes you awesome. all the way back to when he was playing in college. 
all the way to the Olympics, all the way to championship number six. So uh, it's it's probably my favorite mode we've ever had in NBA 2K. Uh, definitely go check it out. And uh, yeah, I'm uh, I'm happy our, our moment made it in there. We did it. Chris, you're a great guy. Thanks for doing the show. I appreciate it. I appreciate how seriously he took it. Everybody follow him. Go get 2K23. I almost, every time I see this, I almost say 2K23, which is so stupid. I'm so <laughs> old. Everybody pick up 2K23 and watch Chris and Alexis Morgan on 2K TV. It's really great. Thanks, Chris, so much for being on the show. I appreciate it. Appreciate you. That's it. That's the show. Many thanks again to Mr. Chris Manning at LD2K. Thanks to the first ballot team, Robert Rucci and Jessica Seng. As always, couldn't do this without you. My thanks to Rhythm J for making the beats. Follow him on social at Rhythm J. Jorge Narano made the more important theme. Today's shout-out goes to at Willbalicious. Will lives in Australia. He enjoys a good mosh pit. He watches basketball, and he listens to First Palette. That's hard as hell. Thanks for listening to the show, Will, and for telling people about it. You know what's also important about Will here is that there's no false advertising with the guy. His name is Will Bolicious, and he is Will Bolicious. Shout-out to Will. Thanks to you all for listening. The show keeps growing. Come back next week for more First Ballot.